this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. You know what happened 14,000 years ago? What happened? They domesticated the dog. That long? Well, actually, it was, uh, they say 15,000 years ago, and about 14,000 years ago, they started seeing dogs buried with humans. Hmm. Interesting. So that's a good baseline there and ever since then so did the dog just happen to die with the person or I don't know (laughs) you know (laughs) he said uh, he said I died he said but put me down with my dog there you go (laughs) but and I assume 15,000 years ago just like today not only were dogs companions but dogs are a tool well I wouldn't say necessarily tool. I would say more of a um, partner. Because dogs don't eat, especially, maybe maybe more so today, but dogs are only, I'm sorry, I'm not, dogs are only a part of the equation. You know, it takes the other part of the human element too in, in training the dog and that sort of stuff. So I just don't think tool is the best way to describe it. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a, but it's it all it always has been, it still is to this day, a symbiotic relationship. The dog is getting uh, just as much out of the the working relationship as as we are. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of dogs that have their own, if left to the wild, could have their own natural predators and. So you provide the dog with shelter, protection, food, yeah, companionship, because they are pack animals, and they provide in turn provide you uh, with, well, in the sense that we're speaking about tonight, mainly food. Uh, using yeah. them to to hunt various animals. I mean, even even if you think a lot of working dogs, like cattle dogs, are still same thing cattle dogs are 
pretty close. I mean, they're still providing people with food. <laughs> you know, I wonder when, uh, how long Burgers ago. And cheap, cheap dogs. I was going to say herding dogs. I wonder how long ago we domestic, we, we started using dogs to herd animals. Because it, it couldn't have been all that long ago. We would have to have been a society of people that would have not been so nomadic. Well, in order to maintain large flocks of li- or large, you know, groups of livestock, is, and just a theory on that. I mean, I think in in them days, if you wasn't doing a job, you were, you was useless. If you didn't have something to provide, you know, security, shelter, and food, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there wasn't no use for you. Right. So, I mean, if the dog wasn't doing a job, it probably ended up on the table. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it one bit. And then maybe that was another advantageous thing to having dogs around. And I mean, that's not something you would see today. No, well, we don't. We don't in, need in, it today. In most, in, in maybe not unless it's in the most extreme circumstances. But we don't eat dogs. At least here in the U.S., the majority of people don't eat dogs. Korea, it's a delicacy. I say there's still a, a dog canine meat market uh, in Asia. Here, here, there are companions. Um, a lot of people still use dogs to do a job. And I'm a firm believer that a dog has to have a job to do. It's, I think it's in like every dog, it's bred in its nature to have a dog to do. Whether it's pure companionship and comfort, to herding, retrieving, finding game, uh, all sorts of uses for dogs. I mean, there's been going on and on. About so what's uses. what's Annie's job? Comfort. That's <laughs> all <laughs> <laughs> so she's good for a good companion. <laughs> and that's only at the house, you know. But she's a guard dog. She can be, sort of. <laughs> she's part dog, part chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Which part's bigger, the dog or the chicken? I think the chicken sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but. We came across, we, you know, we got this idea from this episode today. We, we were out today being National Public Lands Day, enjoying our public lands and waterways. And we ran across some boys in the National Forest and a thing down here. Cooling off in the creek bowhunting. <laughs> yeah. But a thing down here in the south uh, that's, that's prominent across the far southeast is uh, hunting deer with dogs. Which you don't see a lot of that a lot. You go further into the east or further north into the eastern states and that's unheard of and in the midwest and yeah they just look at you like you're crazy i knew an old boy from indiana one of the army i'm like yeah we we shoot deer with shotguns in florida and run them with dogs he's like what (laughs) (laughs) you shoot the deer with a shotgun and run it with a dog like where i come from the deer to turn around and laugh at the dog But that's a that's a big thing. I mean, when we had our lease in, in uh, Georgia, that was all the guys around us. And then ran deer with dogs. I mean, it's hard to figure out which one loves that that sport more, the dog or the guy running the dogs. Yeah. Because <laughs> and then them dogs absolutely live to chase deer. That's thing, it. They are. They they look like athletes. 
They look like yeah. like distance runners. Well, when you think about it, them dogs will run that deer nine miles or what, you know? Yeah. For miles, that dog will stay on that deer's trail. And that's, that's what's amazing, it, especially about those dogs, is the way they will just, they will stay on that deer until absolutely the very end. But, and a lot of people want to frown upon that, and it's it kind of frustrates me to see that's one of the biggest divides, I think, in the whitetail community is guys running deer with dogs, especially down here in the deep southeast and, and stand hunters. See, uh, I, I think that's a difference between us and a lot of people that sit in the tree stand is, is we don't hate the dog running, dog guys. You know, there's a lot of people well, that I, sit in the stand, and they just hate, oh, I hate them more running them dogs. And I'm like... I grew up doing it to some degree when I, I was when I, I was very young. Was kid. When I was very young, my dad used to do it. Uh, he had some hounds and he ran dogs, ran deer with dogs. And uh, by the time I really got old enough to actually start hunting with my dad, he had got out of running deer with dogs uh, and gone to stand hunting, which is what I do to this day. But. And I've run dogs later on in my life with some with some buddies of mine whose family ran dogs in the forest up here. And it's a lot of fun. Like I've oh, said it's it, a great if, time. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. That is, that combines a redneck's two favorite sports: hunting and NASCAR. <laughs> the dirt track. <laughs> yeah, dirt track racing, hunting and dirt track racing because. <laughs> You're just hauling butt through the woods in a pickup truck trying to get in front of dogs before the deer crosses a road, crosses a trail, crosses a clear cut so that you can get a look at it and get a shot, you know. Yeah. And I think the the stigma, a lot of the stigma that dog hunters get comes from the fact that you, they, a lot of stand hunters want to say they shoot little deer. And I, I, I don't think that's entirely true. Um, you, you look at guys like it depends on where you're running dogs at well <laughs> i'm not gonna lie you talk to some of them boys that run dogs in the forest uh if it was legal they'd shoot anything that was, if it was brown it was down but you look <laughs> at the guys like tibbet creek who they managed that property they managed that well. property really well and they killed some monster they bucks in front of dogs deer. yeah i mean even even the guys that run some of the guys that run dogs in the forest which i mean like I said, I, I know some of them, they kill anything that's legal. But, I mean, my cousins run dogs, they kill some monsters. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I say monsters, but it, it was, it like, maybe in Kentucky it would have been a decent, it would have been like, eh, we could let that one go for another year. But down here, that's like, that was, it, was a, it was a Florida swamp dog is what it was, you know. Yeah. For, for a scrub buck, and it looked like a scrub buck, but I mean... It was a pretty good deer for coming out of where it was. Yeah. And not, and I'm not saying that because the deer don't get big. It's just, and they do, and they can. It's just the, their diet isn't as good. They got way too many parasites down here. That's part of it. But, you know, Florida has. A lot has, of factors go into that, especially in the forest, I think. But, Florida has, in the more recent years, started producing. A much better quality of deer my especially in the forest my only fault with that is is you're gonna see way more does than anything yeah and I mean you go you'll see it's nothing to see 15 does in a hunt 
and no, not a single buck, you know, right. all season. And now you might see 15 does every time you sit in the stand and maybe get lucky and kill a buck. I had a spot in the forest where I bow hunted uh, many years ago. Pretty sure it's yeah. clear cut now, but I could regularly go out there and sit and see does every afternoon. Oh, yeah. And I sat there almost every afternoon for three weeks. Does every single day. Saw one buck. And he was a dang nice scrub buck. Uh, but he just stayed outside of bow range. He's 75 yards, wouldn't come yeah. close. But, I mean, back to talking about, about dogs. There's so many different working dogs in, in outdoors world and they're even starting to come out with uh what is that wild i think it's wild rose kennels they're partnered with ducks unlimited and not only do do they train retrievers but they train what they call adventure dogs and it, it's almost an obedience thing and just getting them used to doing different outdoor activities whether it's hiking and uh i think they do like paddle boarding some of them have done like skydiving or something like that i mean it's crazy <laughs> what these people take these and they it's like and they have their companion with them when they do all this and the dogs are well-trained dogs you know yeah a lot of times it's labs i think they use english labs i think wild Rose has a lot of english labs and that's another thing you get into when you talk about retrievers i mean people use all sorts of stuff for retrievers not just you know the regular american labrador retriever there's also English Labs, Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. Um, people use uh, uh, like pointers. I get pointers being just retrieving, which I, I looked into that, and my big thing is them sitting still. They don't pointers don't like to sit still. You know that's not what that's not their nature. Pointers, you know, they're more of an upland dog where they're gonna. Get, they're gonna run this and they're gonna work this entire field to find find get that bird on point and that's what they live for and they love it you know what I mean they're and those dogs are true athletes right there because I was listening to uh, <clears throat> the bone duck podcast and there that's a guy he's a retriever trainer and he's partnered with uh, standing stone kennels and they uh, breed train dogs they breed uh, primarily GSPs German um, short hair pointers yeah and for pointers for bird dogs um, and they've got a lab that kind of got in together and they were talking and I think about 12 miles one time they said they was about average day for them for that dog to run like 12 miles 9 to 12 miles something like that that's amazing and you know and they're doing that every day for a week <laughs> I've put I've put 12, mi 12 miles on these Lamborghinis and it's that's, that's not easy <laughs> you no. know that's a, that's a pretty good haul and the dog's not walking the dog's running yeah you know a lot of the times that dog is running and they just and they love it you know what I mean that's that, the big thing about a lot of these working dogs whatever they're bred to do is it's not work to them to them that it's it's almost it's what they live for and they just they absolutely enjoy it 
So what is what would you say is your favorite dog to watch hunt? Uh, your or your favorite style of hunting to watch a dog work? For me, I would definitely say it is upland birds. It would have to be upland, and I you know what I would think a pointer. Yeah. Um, I would like to hunt uh, hunt over a pointer. Um. Not necessarily a flushing dog. A flushing dog would be, I mean, I think it would be good. It'd still be a good time to go and hunt with a flushing dog. But a pointer, especially if you had pointers that were good and steady. And that's where that's all comes into training. A lot of those, like, GSPs and, and different pointers, dogs that are bred to point, they, they know how to point on... Like the, when they're puppies, they know what a point is. Right. It's when their training comes in as steady, knowing what to point on, and to actually point on birds, and to be steady on that point and perfect that point. That's a lot of their training. And then they also retrieve. And I've watched, I've watched videos on Facebook or YouTube or something where a German, German short hair had a litter of pups and they threw a. a bird out on the ground and mama goes and points and all bunch of that litter of bitties right there next to her they're pointing just on point you know and that's what's amazing too about this stuff is that the way that natural ability is just bred and instilled in these dogs yeah I mean when they like a lot of if you're running dogs for deer or rabbit dogs or these dogs that pretty much just chase. Either the dog will hunt or it won't. So what's what do you think is one of the craziest things you've seen hunt with dogs? Hunted with dogs. Um, one of the craziest I think I've heard. I hadn't seen it a whole lot, but I heard in Arkansas some of them boys will use Jack Russell Terriers to run hogs. As Bay dogs? Well, kind of a bay dog. So let's talk about running hogs with dogs for a minute. Cause that's something that's uh, not that's super common thing. either. I don't What do you mean not super common? That's, that's pretty it's common. It's not especially super, here. super publicized. You don't hear about yeah. it. You don't see it on TV. You don't, you know, it's common here. You, you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll see ads for hog hunts, but not really with dogs. And that's the... Actually, there was a TV show about it in Texas, old boy, and uh, and he a hog hunted with dogs. But anyways, I mean, you have two different dogs basically in hog hunting. You have your bay dog, and then you have your catch dog. The bay dogs are just gonna run the hog down and bait up in the swamp, well, down here in the swamp somewhere, or wherever. And then a lot of these boys, especially the boys that catch them, some of them will just bay them up and shoot the hog. Uh, some of them will send in catch dogs and catch the hog. Or either they'll, they'll kill it with a knife after they've caught it, after the dog's caught it, or they they uh, hog time and it beat them out. But you have to have, that, that's a whole different license there. You have to have, you have to have a trapping license for that, I believe. Uh, in order to transport. Yeah. You have to have uh, a special license. But, so your, your bay dog's going out, finding the hog, running it up, 
getting it cornered somewhere, and then you're dropping it. Baying it up, technically. Yeah. You want to use a technical term, baying the hog up. You're and getting it. You're basically cornering it. You're getting it, and then you're letting loose a catch dog, which is going to go out there and actually physically grab a hold of and hold that pig down. It's, it's going to probably uh, biting legs, ears, uh, bite the snout. See, a lot of them try to train them to bite the snout because that's where the danger's at, and they'll get yeah. that get that dog holding the dangerous end. I feel bad for them dogs because them dogs will get cut. Up. Yeah, they uh, do get messed up. A lot of people do um, have big, like, thick, long Kevlar collars that they put around the dog's neck, and some of them run vests. But I feel like that would get the dog hot quick. Well, that dog, But it's also protecting it. That it, dog is also not running with the rest of the dogs the entire time. You no, know, I mean, even the bay dogs get cut up sometimes doing yeah. that, too. It just depends on... So, one of the things I've seen that I think is is really cool to watch it, and you can find it on YouTube, really cool to watch it done, uh, is I've seen guys use dogs to hunt coyotes. Oh, really? Yeah. Using dogs as, as decoy dogs. And mm-hmm. they're using... Uh, I've seen everything from... Uh, Ridgebacks to uh, cattle dogs. Yeah. And all these dogs are doing is they, they listen very well. That's all the dog has to do is, is listen very well. Um, they'll call in the coyotes into the field, and then the guys will usually set the dogs loose. The dogs will run out to the coyotes, uh, get them all agitated, and then the, dog, the dogs get called back, and the dogs run back to the owner. Yeah. And in handler. doing that, the handler, handler the and in doing that, they bring the coyotes with them. Yeah, the coyotes generally come in, and then when they can get a clear shot, coyote gets popped, and then the other coyotes are going to run off, and the dogs will go back out, circle them back up, bring them back in, get okay. another one, and they'll keep repeating that process until they've killed all the coyotes. That's interesting. And I've also see, seen them. Use greyhounds to physically run down and kill a coyote. Huh. Greyhounds, huh? Yeah. That's interesting. And a lot of people think, man, you know, you're going to get dogs fighting dogs, but I think people don't. Well, let me me say this. Let me say this, though. Your average lab weighs, what, 60 to 80 pounds? Uh, Probably a little more. Your average coyote weighs 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. They're not as big as you think they are. Coyotes are They're tiny. Especially down here. Uh, And, I mean, I've seen some big ones. And I've killed some that probably weighed 35 to 40 pounds up in Kentucky. But still, my my mutt in the house, he's 65 pounds. Yeah. And he's not by any means a big dog, but he's at least double the size of your average coyote. Um... Yeah. Like my dog probably don't weigh. Eh, she probably pushing 50, 60. Right. Coyotes just aren't that big. And you don't realize it till you actually have shot one and get it down. They're not they're not big dogs. Yeah. And you think, you know, I say 30 pounds and you think, well, that's as big as a fox. Well, a fox really only weighs about 10 to 15 pounds. Your fox is about the size of a smoky fur. Yeah, I would say about maybe about the size of a beagle. Yeah. And beagles aren't big dogs at all. No. 
And then your average, your average uh, Cody is. Nah, I can't even think of a dog size to compare yeah. that with. He's not very big. They're they're usually tall and lanky. Yeah. Man, but isn't I that mean, something else that to watch? Is, that that would be something I would like to I would like to watch. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. Now, it sounds to me like there's not much training other than maybe recall. Right. Um, in that, but like. Well, you got to have a dog that's trained good enough to where the dog... Because the dogs don't actually go out and get into any kind of fight with the coyotes. No. no. The dogs, if you watch the dogs work there, the entire time they're out there with those coyotes, they are actively antagonizing, but but avoiding an actual fight. Yeah. You know, because the coyote will turn its back when the dogs get it behind it and nip it, and then it'll run away, and the coyote chases it down, and then they, they just keep kind of doing this circling thing to avoid any kind of real fight, but enough to get the coyotes ticked off. Then they bring them back in. Hmm. I mean, I'm saying there's training involved there. Yeah. Uh, there's not what bird dogs to me are, and I say that because of the amount of training bird dogs get. And not just retrievers, but flushing dogs, pointers. Um, the amount of, there's, then there's versatile dogs. Like labs, labs are really versatile. They're not going to point. But you can get you can train labs. They train labs to sniff drugs, bombs. They train labs to find sheds. Um, obviously, you know retrieving. So I mean, you I mean they hunt with bra- hunt uh, grouse over labs. I mean, there's also lab a lab. The American lab is a very versatile dog. It's not necessarily just a retriever, and that's what's amazing. And and when you get that amount. The level of training that some labs can be brought to, and a lot of times that's you getting that with your professionally trained lab. Um, something if somebody can do it in their backyard, and I'm not saying that can't happen, you really have to know what you're doing, right? And training that lab, and you can train you in your backyard if you have you take the time out of your day, and training sessions don't have to be very long. Is a lot of times what I'm listening, what I'm finding out is 10 to 15 minutes a day can be a training session. Now, that's not that's going to get you through your basics. Obviously, maybe a little longer and more complicated at the higher level and doing your blind retrieves and getting working on hand signals and things like that. You know, that takes a little more time. But I, personally, for my dog, I would, rather, I would not want... I want my dog to... If I we down we sail one off and then in the cypress head, I want to go, go dog, and that dog goes out there and hunts that bird up and finds that bird. Right. That's what more what I want rather than a blind, and I'm sitting there going blowing a whistle and telling the dog to go left and go back and then go right and all sorts of stuff. I would rather that dog send that dog, and that dog finds that wounded bird. I can understand that. And that takes a little more. For the way we hunt down here, that that's more beneficial to us. And the, I'm gonna say the dogs gonna get just as much enjoyment out of being in the water and hunting and finding the bird as we are out there too, you know. Right. But that's would be more of the way we hunt. That would be more beneficial to finding the game than me blowing a whistle at it, telling it to go in that thicket. And then it's like, well, the dog gets in there. 
and it's used to going if it's if I tell it it's there, it's, you know that it's probably it's going to be there. Right. It's not relying on its nose to find the game. No, I can point it in the right direction and go, yep, there's a dead bird in that uh, pile or whatever, you know, and it go in there and find it. But most of the time, a lot of, the, especially your dogs that are like hunt test dogs, those dogs are on a whistle. And those dogs have figured out, okay, when Slick sends me left, there's going to be a bird there for me to get bring back. And that's part of, like when you're doing that it's kind of there's like a bond and a trust that's built there when it's going when you're telling it to go there there's going to be a reward for it when it gets there right but there's also that dog that like I said that I was talking about that will go and will hunt that entire pond until it finds that dead bird right and I, I think, think that's more what we, we would need the best dog. bird dog I've ever had was AJ. Yeah. He listened he listened really well. Really good. I mean we had him so so well trained he could drive the boat. Yeah. He even got he we'd get we'd send him out in the water, whoop, and he'd drag the boat around. You yeah. Know? He was good. He was good. Great bird dog. Great but bird dog. I would like especially down here, I would like a Chesapeake, but you know, being my first bird dog that I'm gonna try to train, I think a lap can be my way. Yeah. From what I've read, Chesapeake's are great dogs, but they don't they don't take correction very well. And it's in there they can be stubborn and hard to train. Right. And I don't think that's the way to go for my first time trying to train one. Oh yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that completely. So what is something you have always wanted to hunt over dogs? For me personally, I want to go. I want to go on a rabbit hunt. A rabbit hunt over dogs. I think that that would be a good time. But I, I will. I would love to be in a field and watch a pointer work. You know, quail or pheasant. That would be. That would be a pretty good time to just watch those. Even even if I didn't shoot a bird that entire hunt, but I would have to watch those dogs work. That would be. Yeah. And see, that's. When you get to talking about bird hunting, and I mean hardcore bird hunters, that that's what they hunt is birds. Right. A lot of those guys, man, they would almost rather leave the shotgun at home and take the dog. Right. <laughs> you know, that's that's how important their dogs are to them, and the amount, the way they hunt, they the dog is just as important as the shotgun when they go. In. Right. <clears throat> when they go and hunt. And I, I, I would love to go on a, a squirrel hunt with a dog. I'm just curious more so how a squirrel dog works. Yeah. It's not something I've ever done, although I've squirrel hunted plenty. Yeah. I'm just curious how squirrel hunting with a dog works. Yeah. I mean, I've had a dog with us while we're squirrel hunting. <laughs> That's but she was by no means a squirrel dog. No. Um, I think I'm going to try it after, you know, when I get some, after I duck hunted, my, when I get my dog and I duck hunted her, I want to try and see if she'll fetch squirrels for her. 
Oh, I'm sure if it'll fetch, you know, fetch ducks, it'll it'll fetch squirrels. But I'm talking about the that squirrel dog where you have a feist dog that's gonna actually go out there and hunt up a squirrel for you to kill. They they, they pretty much I think they tree them. Yeah, but how do you tree a rat like that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, like that would be something I would have to look into with squirrel dogs. I mean, we we had a rat terrier growing up, and she was a squirrel killing machine. Yeah. She would she would stalk them like a cat, <laughs> and then get out there and just tear them apart. That was the other thing. I think it was Jack Russells. They would send into holes, like rabbit holes. Yeah. They would send them dogs into rabbit holes to flush them out of the hole. Yeah. You know what else I would like to like to do over dogs is I want to go on a coon hunt. Oh, that would be awesome. I love, and that's another thing you see a lot with a lot of guys that run dogs chasing dogs like that yeah running deer running foxes running coons running big cats run fox in the, in the, after hunting season's over they'll run fox they just go out there to listen to the dogs run mm-hmm. and it, it's always it always amazed me sitting with those guys you hear the dogs barking and they can pick out individual dogs by their bark they can they know those dogs so well spend so much time with those dogs they oh Old stars, stars running or a fox, star, you know, whatever, yeah. so on and so forth. Oh, yeah, they can. My, my cousins that run dogs in the forest, they, I think either one of them got a dog or they both got a dog apiece, something like that. But uh, I don't think they, they're not like, they don't have the whole pack, you know what I mean, at the house with them and things. It wouldn't surprise me if eventually they did end up with more than one and, they had them a good pack, right, and uh, and all that. Eventually, they loved it, and I mean, I I can see why. Like I said, my cousin, but I told you the story. My cousin bouncing his truck off the same tree three times, and you know, in the same year. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? After the first time, you didn't learn that tree was right there. <laughs> it's not like you ain't been there before. <laughs> I've never been so close to a head-on collision in my life as I have. The several times I've gone out running dogs, running dogs, yeah, come around a corner with somebody coming the opposite direction, everybody slams on the brakes, yeah, you in the sand, sugar the sand. sand, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I remember getting up, running dogs, getting up early in the morning, running dogs in the forest up here with Clint, and that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, oh man, it's a good time. And then when you when them dogs jump, when they finally jump, which is basically when the dogs actually catch up to the deer for people that aren't familiar with it but when them dogs jump and they get to going oh man it's exciting i mean we, we had a little bit of it on our property when, and we used to have in georgia there uh, and we were surrounded by that dog club boy when they dogs get to going and they were heading our way <laughs> you know so what you we're talking about that those dogs, you can hear the difference in the bark when they when they jump that deer up. Because what they're doing when they start out is they're taking that dog and they're you're going out the night before, generally speaking, and you're dragging your roads that you're going to drive up and down during your hunt. Yeah. You're going to try and eliminate, get it fresh surface, doing that the night before. So that in the morning when you go out, you know that the tracks, the deer tracks you're seeing in the road are between the hour at which you drug that road and the hour at which you showed up the next morning. Yeah, That's how old that track is. So you're yeah. going to take your dog and you'll put it out on a relatively new track. You're going to drop mm-hmm. dogs on it. And then uh, 
they're gonna they're gonna run that track till they find the deer and then when they get a good you'll get you drop two or three dogs on that track and then they'll chase it and then they'll get it going and then somebody will see it's a buck and then everybody opens up the dog box and gets the whole pack of hounds on it yeah well a lot of times they'll they'll, they'll throw out three or four dogs on the track and then you'll hear them bark burr, burr. it's not very it's, it's with a good dog it's steady and dog is barking and relatively every rhythm almost five every, six seven seconds the dog whatever will the dog bark, will out. Yeah. bark and then when they really when they jump that deer every dog in that pack is just making noise the best way to describe it is when that pack of dogs jumps a deer all hell breaks loose right there with them dogs oh yeah all hell breaks loose with the dogs and everybody on the ground because they're on the radio. Yeah, they're on the radio. They're hollering at somebody's on the radio, hollering at so and so because he's in the right spot. <laughs> well, telling somebody to get back into the truck, go around the corner, get on yep. top of your dog box, mm-hmm. making fun of each other because somebody yeah. done got their truck stuck, or they're back at camp still getting breakfast, and there's yeah. a buck race on, or you know Something. whatever. The radio gets going, especially when they get get on a good track. That radio yeah. fires up quite a bit. Now that's another tool for them guys that run dogs. They get the good ones got good radios. Yeah, and they know how to use them. Yeah, that they do. Another thing that's interesting, technology-wise, with all that, is the GPS tracking collars they have for dogs now. That was something else. One of them guys showed me that thing, and he was like, yeah, look, this is where all the dogs ran. I'm like, good night. I remember when you ride around in the forest and you see people on the dog box with the antenna. <laughs> so it used, to be, it used to be you're standing up on top of the – your dog has a, a transceiver on the collar, which it's emitting a signal. The original radio collars is what they were. Yeah. And it's emitting a, a, a tone. It's a beep. Yeah. Right, and you're gonna stand on top of your truck with a directional antenna, and a and a speaker, and you're pointing that directional antenna across, just kind of going back and forth until you hit the beep, and the direction you're pointing that antenna is the direction your dog is. So you're gonna then move in that direction, continue pointing that antenna until you can finally figure out about where that dog is, <laughs> and that's when it, that was really that really only came into play when you had a lost dog. Yeah. Because for the most part, you're just following the barking when they're running a deer. But when a dog gets broke off the pack and gets out there by itself, just meandering around, because it happens, yeah. they they get lost on their own. And that was the old tracking collars, you know, they're trying to pick up that beat. But now, like you're talking about, they got GPS, and you look at that, and you know you see the dog by name yeah. with the signal it's emitting out of its collar. You yeah. know exactly where it's at, which direction it's going in, you know. And I'm telling you, them old boys we hunted in with, the, or next to, up there in Georgia, they had that stuff figured out. Cause, and I, one of them, we got to talking to that one night, and he's like, look, I can pull it up on this GPS for these deer run. And he's like, if we put a dog on a track on this road, this is where the, the deer's heading. And it's true, for the most part, those deer, they will run their trails. Right. You know, they have their trails picked out and they run. For the they're, well, they're part. going ahead for safety. Yeah. They're going to go where they've got away before. Yeah. And 
I've I've heard um, here in the forest a deer turning turn doing 180 and heading right back toward the dogs and it'll lose. How that works, I don't know. Get enough lead on it, you know. It, that, that's yeah. if, the, if the deer can get enough lead, and then I've seen deer jump and swim, swim old Skeeter Pond. Uh, they're off Skeeter Pond now, all right? Yeah. I'm going to give Skeeter Pond where you a plug. Where, 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 you on, where you on this weekend off Skeeter Pond? I'm going to give Skeeter Pond a plug every Look, chance I was I at get. work there before we went duck hunting last last weekend. Yeah. And he's like, where are you hunting? I'm like, I ain't telling you. <laughs> he's like, what are you going to worry about me hunting for? I'm like, it ain't you I'm worried about. It's whoever you end up talking to at the bar. <laughs> That's, the next thing from you now know, on, that's it. I, we got it now. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll tell you exactly where I'm hunting right now. Skeeter Pond. Skeeter Pond. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go shoot a bunch of teal out of Skeeter Pond, all right? <laughs> Skeeter Pond. Where's Skeeter Pond at? Out there in the forest. That's all you need to know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to give a shameless plug to Skeeter Pond every chance I get. Yeah. I'm, you know, in a way, I almost feel bad for that kid because they tore him up, but it don't matter. Hey, you know what? At, it's it's they they took it well. The kid did, yeah. I think he did. I mean, he did. Did he deserve some of it? Yes, because those pictures were. <laughs> they were awful, man. They were, they were horrible. Awful. No shirt on. There was wardrobe changes, okay? Oh, yes, there was. There was wardrobe Definitely wardrobe changes. I'm like, changes. dude, you are asking for it. I mean, look, I'm all for it. You know what? You shoot a good limit one day, man, take you some pictures, all right? But there's no need You'll for wardrobe never, changes. You will never see me with a limit of ducks hanging around my neck in a uh, photograph. In an intentional photograph. I'm just not going to do it. I don't like it. I'll hang them. If we're if we're hunting out of waders, I'll hang them on a tree strap, hang them on a strap on a tree limb. I like that. Yeah. I like you know just just the you know I will take a picture photos. with a nice pretty duck. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you kill a real pretty you, drake. You kill a stud. Maybe we get this year and get us a pintail. Woody or coast. something. Yeah. No, we're killing that out of Skeeter Pond. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd right. be nice though. That's, you're right. Yeah, you know I'm gonna take that. I'll single out that that pretty drake and. Definitely oh, yeah. get a, a photo with it. You know? a nice long sprig on the back. Yeah. That sucker's going on the wall, man. Oh, absolutely. A nice drake pintail with that nice sprig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm all for that. But you, I'm just not a, I'm not a uh, post for Instagram type of. No. No, I, I, I hear you. I don't have a dating profile or nothing that I need to be putting <laughs> pictures on of me posing with my, uh, Fruit of the Loom band hanging out on my waist or nothing. Uh, And nobody wants to see me shirtless anyway. I mean, I am single, but, you know, that's not going on. (laughs) Especially with my underwear hanging out. No. (laughs) I don't even want to see that. (laughs) I'd have a hard time getting the top of my underwear to hang out. Just because I don't hardly wear none anymore. Half the time. Only that, but I wear wear my britches up. Yeah. My underwear don't show I'm telling you, if we get into season like we did last year and it's warm and we're going to get in the waders, I'm going to get butt 
<laughs> ass waiter. naked <laughs> under my waders. I'll be able to tell you if it's leaking or not. <laughs> yeah, that, man, the last time I used my waders, dude, I don't know. They could have been leaking and they could, that could have just been sweat. Could have just been sweat, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was like, part of me was hoping they were leaking and part of me was hoping they weren't. Well, and, why would you hope your waders were leaking? So I can get some, some new ones. Just <laughs> buy some new it. ones. At least you have I'm some backups. I'm not going to. I'm not. I, I'm, I refuse to spend three hundred dollars on a pair of waders. Then don't go to when, academy. Well, no, whatever. I'm not. I refuse to spend money on another set of waders when I have a perfectly good set of waders already. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I had mine on out there where at old Skeeter Pond and yeah, working around out there with Jordan the couple days after. Did you uh, turn them upside down and pour the sweat out when you got done? No. We we also went out there and did our work. We met up there at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. So he had, what time? Sunrise. I'm like, 7 something? Okay, that's when we'll leave. <laughs> no. And then the other bad choice that we made was none of us. We stopped at the gas station. Yeah. You know, of course, we both grabbed a monster, and neither one of us like to grab any water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I know. We we got up. I got. I left here at about five o'clock in the morning. I met my dad. My dad at the gas station at five thirty, and then we met Jordan on the ground there shortly after. And uh, did he bring the canoe that time? That's what I'm like. He should have brought that canoe. He did. It yeah. was funny. I, I tell you because uh, I got to the gas station, and I said to my dad, I said, "Did did you bring your waiters?" He says, "No, I didn't know we were supposed to." He said, "Did you bring yours?" I said, "Yeah, I got mine." I said, all right, well, we got, he said, well, we got the canoe, you know. I said, well, yeah, we'll see. So we get to leave in there, and Jordan calls me, and he says, Dad didn't bring his waiters. Did you bring your waiters? And I said, no. And he says, God dang it. He says, I'm the, I'm the only one with waiters, blah, 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 y'all in this canoe, and all of a sudden, the other. And I, I intentionally told him no, because I didn't want him to not have waiters and me to be volunteering myself for something that I didn't want to be volunteering yeah. myself for. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I brought my waiters. Yeah. And I said, did you bring your waiters? Yeah, I got my waiters. I'm like, okay. Well, then we get out there, and he starts putting on his waiters, cussing up and down a storm. And I, I reached back in the truck started putting mine on. He said, I thought you didn't bring your waiters. I said, I did. I just didn't want to volunteer myself for something I didn't want to be <laughs> volunteered for by having my waiters. So we had my dad in the canoe, and me and Jordan were pushing and pulling it as he's sitting in the canoe. Yeah. And I looked back at my dad, and I said, you know, I said, one of these days, this is how we're going to have to get you to the duck blind. <laughs> That's bad. And the next words out of his mouth were, how deep's that water? <laughs> I said, it ain't been about shin deep right now. He said, all right. And he climbed out of the canoe and walked around in his pants and tennis shoes the rest of the day. <laughs> sure beat pulling him around in that dang canoe, though. Oh. I'm, I see he learned his lesson about not having waiters like I did. Love not, that's not near as bad as mine. No, yours was far it worse was than that. It was a cold morning. It was cold morning. And I'm like, he's like, it's not that deep. I'm like, all right, I'll be all right for certain sections in just my, my boots. And I was like, oh, no, I was wrong. I knew they were going to get filled up. I, see, I said, uh, I said, you all right back there, Briar? This is after he's already stepped over his boots. He says, yeah, it ain't touched my nuts yet. <laughs> and I said, all right. I was trying to keep from that. Spoke too soon. <laughs> too soon. Hit a, hit a hole. Hit a hole. 
Help me, 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 help me. I said, what's the matter, Briar? Help me, help me, help me. He's about waist deep in the freezing cold creek. Like, thank goodness that was a relatively warm weekend for the time of year it was. That water wasn't Yeah. all. Were you even, was that, that was the morning we... We put the decoys out at one end and they landed at the other. No, they landed almost. This right did on land top in the decoys, but it they, was they did. It was dang near still moonlight, like pitch black dark. It was, it was overcast, and it was after shooting light. Yeah, but it was overcast. We were in the timber, so the ducks would land on the water, and I'm like, looking out there. I know they can't see me. <laughs> I'm looking out there, and I'm like. Is that a duck or is that a tree limb? That duck swam off already? Because <laughs> what they would do is they would land in that little hole we were sitting in and then they would swim up in the tree. Right. You know, well, you know that. But, and that's what was going on. And I was, one landed, I what was it? It landed within 10 yards of me. Yeah. As soon as that duck hit the water, it disappeared. You know, and you could, we could barely see the decoys, you know? Yeah. We kind of knew where they were because we'd put them out. But, right. I mean, we could barely see the decoys that morning. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. I look forward to getting up there and doing some more hunts in that spot this year and then <clears throat> going to that other little uh, hole back in behind that, that quad pod. That, that, that hole, that, that particular version of Skeeter Pond <laughs> is, uh, that, we should call it that. <laughs> We're gonna call it Woody Whacker Pond. Woody Whacker. We should call it Skeeter Pond. Skeeter Pond. Because, it. dude, it's it's gonna be. It has been in the past. Even though we weren't hunting it, slap full of wood ducks. Because yeah. I've sat in that deer stand right there, I'm and just sure listened to them ducks. I'm pretty sure I've seen ducks when I'm sitting in there, fly fly over. Oh, I'm sure. In that stand, I'm sure. But that that, that spot in there just got to be slap full of them. Like, looking at it, I know the smart wheat down here ain't seeded. Well, from what we've seen, I haven't seen any seed on smart wheat. I've seen see other seed on the water, but that's some smart wheat seed before it gets too cold, they're going to be in there again. Yeah. they got to be, because there, there's just way too much feed in there for them. Well, we're coming to the end of this. Oh man, it got me again. I got you again. <laughs> we talked about it earlier today. Yeah, <laughs> we always talk about what we're gonna talk about. What's mm. under pressure outdoors tip of the week? You know what? I'm gonna, since we're the majority of this episode is about dogs, and so I'm gonna make my tip of the week about dogs. Um, if you're looking in, and it doesn't matter, it. Maybe not matter so much for, like, a dog that you're going to run deer, but it still plays in a big factor. If you're going to get a dog to hunt over, get get you a dog that has the bloodline and those genetics where whatever you're going to do, with, train that dog to do whatever kind of work, task, you're going to ask of that dog, make sure it's got that bloodline. 
I mean, you know what? It cost a little more, but you know what? You're even though you spend you may spend a little more money on that dog, it's gonna be a heck of a lot easier to train because it has that natural ability. And then you're just basically fine tuning that natural ability. I would say before you're ready to before you decide you're gonna get a a dog in general, especially a hunting dog, a dog you intend to train to hunt with or have trained or whatever, um, you need to make sure that you have the disposable income to take care of vet bills, the income to take care of dog food. You have the time to devote to that dog to train it, to be its companion just as much as it is yours mm-hmm. and you have the space that dog's going to need yeah because uh, you see a lot of times and this is pretty pretty prominent with labs and chewing yeah chewing stuff the, a lot of dogs that chew are dogs that are they don't chew because they're nefarious they chew because they're bored yes um and that you can literally work that out of a dog, and I don't mean work it till it's tired, but you give a dog a purpose, yeah, and that'll help with the chewing. Oh yeah. Um, another thing with that, and I've kind of learned this lesson the hard way, because there's other things. Not just, my dog really doesn't chew per se, but crate training. Dogs, when they're in a crate, it's it's almost natural to them. Sort of. It's know, like a to den. a point. Yeah. It's like they're den. Um they don't they don't mess in there because then they have to lay in it. Uh they don't chew because guess what? They're out of trouble in the crate. You put things in there that they can chew on. Right. And then when the dog is older, you know, that's a spot for that dog to go to. It knows it can go in that crate and you know it's a retreat. It can be yeah. left alone in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and spend the money on a dog crate for Pete's sake. If you yes. got a hunting dog, spend your money and get one of those. What are they? Gunner kennels. Um, I don't necessarily. There, there's think, a gunner kennel isn't necessarily like an in the home crate. It's more of like a transport. Yes, I know, but they are for crash safety. test rated. They are crash test rated. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, oh yeah. And not not so much as spending spending a high dollar on keeping that crate, although it will work in the home. Keeping that crate for the travel, Yeah. that's where your dog is going to be safest in a, in a good, high-quality kennel like that. I was, I was going to get a kennel, and so, so my, when I do get the dog, or a kennel for the back of the truck, I was going to get a I was going to get a gunner kennel, and I decided that I would rather. I felt like my dog would be safer because I've heard people that had their dogs in the back of the truck, and somehow with the wind coming off of the truck and the way it does, that, that somebody had a dog suffocate. Hmm. So that's so that's something to be careful of. I mean, if you still choose, there's a lot of people that do it. And their dog is fine, but I, I'm 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 going to choose not to do that for that reason. Where are you going to put the dog? It's going to go in the back seat. <laughs> I'm going to get at something to uh, I'm going to get 
some sort of cover to go back there. Carhartt makes You're going to get a, a bigger nice truck? Why? That's all you're going to get in there is a dog, you and a dog. That's fine. What I need y'all for if I got the dog. The I'm dog talking about all your hunting ducks. stuff. <laughs> what do you need a dog seat. for? You got to be able to hit ducks first. That's true. Work <laughs> on that too. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of the Under Pressure Outdoors podcast. Make sure you guys are going on uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review because that's how we get pushed further up into the metric. You know, when you guys are searching for that outdoors podcast. Uh, I know there's several hundred of you that are subscribed to this podcast and even more people that listen to it that aren't subscribed to this podcast. So for those of you that are subscribed to this podcast, give us a review. For those of you that aren't subscribed to this podcast, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review. That's your homework for this week. (laughs) Get on uh, Facebook or Instagram if you have those social media accounts. Follow us on there. You know, we went live from the duck blind last weekend Yeah. Uh, to both Facebook and Instagram from two different locations. And it's only going to get, oh yeah, it's only going to get more fun as hunting season goes on further. And it will maybe do some, some of us will do uh, some live from the tree stand, I imagine. That's a very good possibility. So, until next week, you guys have a great one.